0: Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappé. Depay! And he snatched it! Doné finds Dembélé, the first touch is good, the second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovkin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal, Benedetto! And Bagnon, fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Play it again! And Omer. Oh, Beñera, beautifully done, sensational!
1: Coming up in the pod, brilliant Burak inspires Lille to stunning win in Lyon. Ah, Les dog now the title favourites. Mbappé continues to inspire PSG's push. Benyeda keeps Monaco in the mix. Meanwhile, Dijon are down and Bordeaux's fans are left furious with their American owners, or should we say former American owners, with me to discuss what was a quite incredible weekend in Ligue 1. I know I've been saying that. Uh, for much of the season. But this weekend really was uh, absolutely fantastic. I have David Crossan and I have Robbie Thompson. Dave, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, very well. Just about recovered from commentating the fantastic Lyon-Lille game on Sunday evening.
1: Yeah, a real contender for for match of the season. It was absolutely incredible. And uh, Robbie, um, your your Parisians might be starting to get a bit worried. Four games to go and Lille's still top?
3: Yeah, it was looking good uh, early on last night in, in Lille versus uh, Lyon. But then Lille showed real character, didn't they? They're, and the way they celebrated at the end, I think, uh, showed that they really believe now more than ever.
1: Yes, an incredible match. That's the first feature game on Le Bourge this week. The official Ligue 1 podcast in association with BT Sport. We're going to start at the Groupama Stadium. Um, with Lyon against Lille. David Crossan commentated the action.
2: Dubois for Kakare's forward run. pull back for Slimani and this time he does find the back of the net. Islam Slimani scores a huge goal for Olympique Lyonnais. Go,
0: go. Go, go.
2: Mike Menon talking to Econe about his positioning in the wall along with Jonathan David. It's played in by Dubois. Mignon's missed it and it's into the back of the net. Lille look at the referee but Slimani and Lyon celebrate Doubling the lead. By Mignon's exceptionally high standards. He has had a shaky game this evening. The concentration of Burak Yilmaz. Yilmaz hits it. What a hit by Burak Yilmaz to give Leal hope. His 11th of the season and how Lille needed that. Known as the king in his native Turkey. Can he help Lille towards their fourth league and crown? Kone loses it. Oh, it's given away, though, to Yilmaz. Burak Yilmaz squares it, and it's tapped in by Jonathan David. The defensive mistake from Lyon. And from 2-0 down, Lille have drawn level as Jonathan David, like Yilmaz, scores his 11th of the season. Botman. Yazidje wins the header and Burak Yilmaz could be in on Anthony Lopez here. Yilmaz for the finish and Lille complete their recovery from behind. Burak Yilmaz undoubtedly the man of the match, his second goal to go with an assist. So calmly done by Burak Yilmaz. And that's what it means to Lille, potentially the goal that takes them back to the top of the table in a game that they look to be losing to drop to
1: fourth. Well, Dave, where to start with uh, with that one? Um, Lyon obviously were the better team in the first half, but that goal, that free kick from Burak just before halftime, uh, it just changed the the momentum, didn't it? And it gave Lyon the hope that that they needed. Yeah, it just gave Lille a foothold in the match. And they'd been totally outplayed
2: up until then, that Leon's plan was working to perfection. They were happy for Lille to have the ball and to hit them on the break. Lille, who have kept 18 clean sheets this season, that was the rockiest I've seen them defensively, really symbolised by the second goal with Botman colliding with Mignon and Font, scoring the own goal as it went in off his arm. But after that, everything changed, and it was down to the force of character of Burak Yilmaz, because without that goal, I think Lille would definitely have lost and they'd have started to be worrying about qualifying simply for the Champions League rather than being back on top of the table. And we saw how much it meant with Christophe Galtier's celebration at the end, the sort of backwards roly-poly, and then the whole team coming together in celebration, as we've seen so often this season. Um, Lille's midfield just wasn't at it in the first half. I've rarely seen Benjamin Andre have such an ineffectual game. I thought Renato Sanchez's positioning initially wide out on the left just didn't work at all. Uh, Playing with two strikers, I always like to see that. Uh, Jonathan David and Burak Yilmaz together, but that what that was doing was it was seeing Lyon uh, flooding the midfield, always having an extra man, and uh, Maxence Kakre just covered every blade of grass in that first
1: half. The second half, completely different story. But that's what I wanted to say, Dave. Uh, Maxence Kakre, because obviously we'll we'll talk about Leo, but Kakre, I mean, he was everywhere, wasn't he? And he, you watch that performance and you wonder how he could have been left out for much of the first half of the season. I mean, what an engine. And he's just, just, you know, such an exciting player, isn't he? Yeah, it was just like the way he played in that run to the Champions
2: League semi-finals, where he always covered more ground than anybody else. But the, the energy levels were superb. But Lyon are very strong in midfield. They've got the enviable strength in depth. Uh, when you've got Bruno Gimarish and Usem Awa on your bench, well, not many sides can boast that sort of strength in depth. But yeah, Kakare was their main man for the first... 45 minutes, possibly just into the start of the second half. But then
1: it, it became the Burak-Yilmaz show. But Robbie, we, we've seen Leal this season pulling it out the bag, whether it's you know grabbing a draw in the 90th minute, grabbing late wins. Um, they left it relatively late again. What was Burak's winner? 84th, 83rd minute. Um, th- th- you, Dave mentioned the strength of character. They, they've got something really special in those ranks, haven't they?
3: They do. I think that, I mean, I think we all agree that the free kick just before t- halftime was, was the key. Um, just my two cents on Lyon, uh, similar to what they did in the Coupe de France a little bit, uh, apart from the fact that there was a red card involved for, for Lyon early in the second half against Monaco. But there again, dominating the first half and then and then sort of losing their way in the second. Um, it was panic stations for, for Lyon and the exact opposite, as, as you said, for Lille. So yeah, look, lil, lil. I don't think it's just the rub of the green. I don't think it's just uh, good fortune. I don't think it's planets aligning. I think they have got real character, and I think bringing in someone like Burak Yilmaz, we said it quite early on because he scored as soon as he, as soon as he hit the ground in France, he was on the score sheet, and we said this looks like it could be um, a good signing, and we've seen that that spirit and that never say die attitude, and and the quality as well. It, it's it's a brilliant signing, and look fully fully deserved at this stage we'll see how they go in the next four games but uh absolutely what can you say well full credit to Lille
1: yeah and dave Christophe gaultier um for the first time this season has said we're we're going for the title now which is <laughs> which is you know very big of him with four games to go of course they're going for the title but he also said you know maybe we're not in our place maybe we're not in in our position um do you think he's downplaying Lille's qualities or or would you sort of go go along with that and actually say, well, maybe there are other teams in France that have more quality and play better football? I think Lille deserve to be where they are.
2: Uh that said, yeah, I think when you've got squads like Paris Saint Germain's and Monaco's and Lyons, Christophe Galtier is right to say that you know, we don't no one would have predicted us to be top of the table at this stage. With four games to go, yeah, of course you've got to be going for the title. And He'd have seen plenty in that match against Lyon to worry him as well. That if Mike Menon doesn't make the stupendous save from Thiago Mendes, uh, then they go 3-2 mm-hmm. down again. All the doubts start creeping in. They're going to have to play consistently better than that over the last four games if they're going to get the results, particularly defensively. I, going back to the midfield, I just, I did, really don't know what was happening in that midfield area because Boubacare, Sumare and Benjamin Andre were overrun. I thought Galtier's decision to pick Braderich rather than Ray at left-back was a, a poor decision. And in the first half, I was expecting Lille to be able to um, highlight the problem of D'Isilio playing centre-half with Jason Denier unfit and Diomande suspended after his red card against Monaco in the Cup. And they just weren't able to do that. Instead, it was Lyon who was starting to find flaws in the way Lille was set up.
1: Yeah, I... I, I... I get what you're saying Dave I mean I, I just think to do what they've done I mean and we've we've talked about it week after you know week after week that or oh, Leo maybe it wasn't a great performance but they just do it and at, at 2-0 to Leon I was working on the game and I said to my colleague I tell you what if if Leo come back and win this 3-2 they'll deserve to win the league and um of course they've still got four games to go and they've still they've still got to do it and they've got tough games starting uh, at the weekend with a with a match against Nice, and Nice are, are playing good football at the moment. So um, it's it, it's absolutely fascinating. But you know, hats off to to Lille for making this title race uh, as thrilling as it is. And um, I think just to conclude, maybe on, on Leon, guys, it, it's looking like why. Well, let's not say they're out of the Champions League running, but they they need to beat Monaco at the weekend they're certainly out of the title race and it could be a, you know a disappointing end for Rudy Garcia Robbie Rudy Garcia who's coming to the end of his second season and will be um will be standing down at the end of the season and it would be disappointing i think with that squad for Leon not to get into the Champions League
3: yeah but you just see how how things can turn on not even 45 minutes of football across a whole season and that's what's so incredible about about this campaign at 2-0 up you think Lyon uh, destroying Lille's title campaign, Lyon are the ones that are that are that are throwing their hat back into the ring. They're two points behind the leaders, Paris. It's I think at at, at two nil down for Lyon, two nil up. You've got Paris on seventy two, Monaco seventy one, and then Lille and Lyon on seventy points. The three goals for for Lille now make it Lyon uh, six points behind Lille. In first place, I mean that's what you call a six-pointer from from zero to to six-point gap, with with that lil comeback. And uh, you know it's full credit to Lil. Don't write off Leon just yet because that we see how how much it can change and how quickly. But we're yeah, talking about little what they details, not isn't it. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's still there's still a chance. And no matter what happens, this is going down to the wire because no one is going to have a four-point lead at the top of the standings with one game left to play so it's going to go to week 38 of the season no doubt
1: yes you're going to have to keep posted keep tuned to uh Luboja until the end of the season the official league 1 Uber Eats podcast we welcome all of your uh, all of your feedback using our email league1podcast@gmail.com and we will have the um the results of our latest competition Coming up for you later in the podcast, there is an Andy Delors Montpellier shirt up for grabs. We've been asking you for, for song titles related to uh, to league 1 player names, and we've had some, uh, some wonderful entries. So uh, the winner coming up for you a little bit later in the podcast, we're going to go through the other two title contenders, um, starting with Monaco, uh, the form team in France at the moment, they have been absolutely sensational. One defeat in 21 going into their uh, match away to Angers. And uh, I commentated this game from the stad Raymond Copper. Now, the ball through. Ben Yedda in the clear. Big chance for Monaco. And Wissam Ben has found the back of the net. And Monaco, after all the toil, have found a way through the Angers resistance. The skipper with his 18th goal of the season, and as it stands, that goal will be taking Monaco second, just a point behind PSG. Well, I'll tell you what, the the Leon Leo game was absolutely thrilling. This angers Monaco was one of those that was was tough to commentate um, <laughs> on on your own. Uh, a long Sunday afternoon for me, but it, it you know it obviously had that edge that it, it was such an important game, and Monaco just had to get that goal from uh, from somewhere. Um, a real struggle this for Monaco. The pitch wasn't great. Angers played a 5-4-1, made it really tough for Niko Kovac's team, and um, that's the most I've seen Monaco struggle in quite some time. Uh, Kovac made some interesting choices. He uh, he left Benoit Badiashile out, the defender who's played more than any other player at Monaco this season, and uh, again Ben Yedder on the bench. Jovetic coming in. Jovetic had a one-on-one saved um, by Bernadoni, and then got injured. A uh, real shame for him. He's he's had so many injury problems since he joined Monaco. Um, ben Yedda came on and um, didn't do an awful lot until about 10 minutes from time. And he got a one-on-one. Lovely ball through from Fofana. And uh, just what a sensational finish. It was interesting because Monaco had had two one-on-ones, uh, Jovetic and Golovin. Golovin tried to just dink it over. Bernadoni um, failed. Bernard- Bernadoni saved it. And Ben Yedda just showed them how it's done. It was his only only chance of the game. Um, just absolutely world-class, uh, in term in terms of his finishing and, uh, Dave, that's what, you know, that's what make title contenders, isn't it? That, 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 you know, that's what gives the team an edge. Ben Yed has got 18 goals now and, uh, he won the game for them. Yeah, it was a very similar finish actually to the one that
2: Burak Yilmaz produced against Anthony Lopez later that evening. And that's what you want from your star striker in the big game towards the end of the season. It is fascinating to see how Niko Kovac has managed wissam Benyeda because he is the club captain, but he's frequently been left out of the side in recent weeks with Jovetic preferred. But whenever he comes on, he scores goals. And uh, I, I noticed, and this tickled me a little bit, that Niko Kovac has adopted the modern coaching approach to naming substitutes. That uh, He calls them finishers now. So you have your starters and your finishers, which is perhaps more acceptable in football this season because of the five substitutes being allowed in the coronavirus pandemic era. But I, I still don't like the terminology, but if you're going to, if you're going to say Wissam Ben Yedder is a finisher, at least you're being accurate
1: because that boy can finish. <laughs> it's, it's similar. It was a American influence. We don't, we, yeah. we, we need to get rid of this American. No, no I'm joking. I got nothing against American influence. Robbie, sorry. I think Bordeaux it... do though. They've got a lot I against think... <laughs> American influence. <laughs> um, with
3: some Beneta's finishing, I, I was to to tell you the truth, I was a little bit disappointed by Bernardoni making it so easy for him. Yes, I know it was a fantastic finish, and yes, it was it's it's Benietta cool, but but I think we've seen that type of finish from him about three times in the last six weeks, coming off the bench, getting through, and just dinking it over the keeper. And it's a bit like it's a bit like Di Maria when you know he's coming through one on one, you don't go to ground because you know he's gonna try and scoop it up over your head and bernardoni should have known that you've got to stand up as long as possible against benyetta and bernardoni is a, a a big strong i mean he's he's a vast obstacle for a for a striker to to finish past perhaps i'm being harsh perhaps benyetta would have just slotted it through his legs or or low to one side but but for me i've i felt bernardoni should have known what was coming it was I I felt I could see what was coming, so I would have thought he could he should have as well and done a little bit better. But okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. I
1: think I think you've been <laughs> super harsh. I think I mean you know commentating it live, I was, you know, it's, it's one of those thrilling moments where you're thinking what's going to happen here. And I just thought he waited, you know, until the last possible moment. And I kn- I, kn- I know what you're saying. He's uh, you know he's a bit of a Peter Beardsley. I, I remember. When I was a, a youngster back in the eighties, that was the Beardsley finish, just the, the the dink over the goalkeeper. But I don't know. There's so much at stake at those moments, and uh, mm, Benyeda showed incredible nerve, I thought, just to wait until until that last moment.
3: For what Niko Kovac is is doing, though, um, you know, fantastic. Con, considering the the five changes, do we not think that that's going to stay uh, stick around now, post COVID and post coronavirus? I think it could be a uh, I think it's something that coaches have been asking for for a long time. You've got nine players on the bench or eight players on the bench. In Champions League, you've got, I think, 11 or 12 players on the bench. I think five five
1: substitutions could be, could be here to stay. I think the one problem with it, Rob, is that the, by the end of the game, your commentary notes just look like such a mess, don't they? When you've, you've had to sort of cross out five players on, on each team and scribble down. Different. I mean, and
3: minutes of minutes of substitutions and everything in case, of, in case it's important. I agree. I agree, that is yeah, difficult, yeah. but is that, is that the, the priority? Is that being taken <laughs> into account by, by the people making the decisions I mean, at the top? I'm not the sure. The argument
2: against it is that it gives too much of a, a benefit to those that have big squads, that not everyone can bring on the sort of players that Monaco, Lyon, PSG and Lille can bring on in the second half of games. So you've got a, a lesser club that's battling hard for an hour and then they suddenly see World Cup winners stripped off and ready to come on. Yeah, fair, fair, Fair
3: point, fair point. On that note as well, Saint-Etienne have used 38 players uh, this season in Ligue 1, a record for, for for number of players played. Paris Saint-Germain, 33, the most ever used in a league season by Paris Saint-Germain. And Lille, how many, gentlemen? Uh, 28. 21. The fewest of wow. any club and they're top. So there you see the the difference. That uh, I thought that's that was going to be really boring, Rob, but in the end, I, I found it interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Dave.
1: <laughs> Stato, Rob, good stuff. Do you know, Robbie, who's played the most minutes for Monaco, given that it was Badia Shil, but it's, it's, it's no longer Badia Uh I would say... Yusuf Fafana? Yeah, or Chouamani, Chouamani. Uh, Robbie, Lecomte. you're right, Chouamani. Yes. And it, it just so happens that that I had a chat It was a, a 50-50 and...
3: chance as well. Dave went <laughs> Fafana. It, it had to be one
1: of the two. Well, we mentioned last week they're the two guys that that just are always there, Chuamani and Fofana. Um, it was interesting; I heard Kovac uh, shouting on 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 the sidelines, saying, Aurelien, get up, get up, field," because he was often sitting quite deep with Fofana, and he kept saying, "We don't need you there," and because Andre were playing with one or, or or two men up the whole time, and there was no point basically having a back four and having two defensive midfielders, and. Um, I had the uh, the the opportunity to to talk to Aurelien Chouamani, who's had a wonderful season. He's a 21 year old midfield dynamo, can do it all really in in the midfield. Um, one of the things I I asked him about was the the comparison um, with Paul Pogba, because when he was actually a kid uh, playing at Bordeaux, they uh, it, his nickname apparently had a few nicknames, but one of them was labile which is uh, Paul Pogba's middle name, Paul labile Pogba, and that was essentially. Um, uh, to make the comparison, and um, yeah, I asked him about that, and uh, yeah, he, he was fully aware of the comparison, but he says, uh, yeah, he doesn't necessarily want to become the next Paul Pogba. His his Aurelian Chouamani. Yeah, souvent eu cette comparaison people often avec make that Pogba. comparison with
0: c'est, Pogba. C'est He's joueur. a top player.
1: Um, Pour, to be one of the best, pour you pour have to draw inspiration from the best. And when meilleurs. there's a player who excels moi, in a certain moi, moment, area, a I, domain, pitch, ce I try to do pour, pour I my, look at what he does on the pitch, and I try to do that too. For
0: uh, 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 I can look at Pogba, for example, for his use of the ball. Kante for how uh, he wins the ball back. Someone like Vieira, too, for going box to box. Iniesta, Cesc, Xavi for their use uh, of the ball. Whenever someone excels in an area of the game, I look at how they do that and ou try ou to add that to my game. Domaine.
1: Dave, what have you made of Aurelien Chouameni? Does he remind you uh, of Paul Pogba at all? Pogba's not the first name that would come to mind, no, because when I first
2: saw Pogba play, I thought he was all about the, the 40-yard pass and the driving runs from midfield. Chouameni has got a a more sober style, I'd say, very mature in terms of his play for someone who is only 21 years old. Uh, as you said in the introduction to that interview, he has got the lot. And uh, I think he can play various styles and we'll see how uh, his career evolves. But I like him in the position he's playing in. And I'm sure Niko Kovac does too. And let's forget about these comparisons. He's going to make a name for himself in his own right.
1: Robbie, you, you go along with that. He's probably learning as well from Niko Kovac, who played a uh, defensive midfielder for, for for much of his career. And you know he's certainly come on this season, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, the first time I saw Paul Pogba play... He was 15 years old, and he played a, with a maturity in that number six role where he, he, he didn't move from in front of the defence, and he really was just that, that, that archetypal defensive midfielder. Um, that was in the Montague Youth Tournament, which is a, a famous French uh, youth tournament here in France. I can't remember what year it was, but I guess someone better at maths than me would be able to work that out. Anyway, um, and he's got quite a name for himself as well, doesn't he? Not the easiest one, Aurelian Chuamini, to uh, to say. I don't know whether that will will hold him back. Too many <laughs> syllables for you, Rob. Exactly. Very good day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, no, all all, uh, all uh, bad jokes apart, um, a fantastic player. What more can you say? I mean, really, he 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 is versatile. Uh, he's mature. He, he can get forward, he can break the lines, although I don't think that's his number one uh, quality, I think, defensively, and he he's superb, I think he's perfect foil for Fafana in the middle of the park, I mean, those two, to, to play with those two, and you can see how much Kovac, when he, at the end of each victory, at the end of each good performance, he almost invariably goes straight to those two and says, that's it, that's what I wanted, did you see how, you know, you, you feel, he, he loves bringing those two forward. And, uh, and they're blossoming
1: under him. Yeah, and there is just a, a wealth of talent, isn't there, in that, in that area for France. Obviously, Chouamani, Fofana. you've got the French national team already, Conte, Pogba, Ndombele, Rabiot. So many exciting young players coming through. I think the Euros will come a bit early for, for Chouamani, but uh, yeah, his future is, is extremely exciting indeed. Well, he'll be in the under-21 Euros, won't he? as well well you he know, will you know. he's already yeah he mm. played in 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 the group stage played played a big part in that and um yeah he's playing a big part in Monaco's title push but uh Monaco is still one point behind Paris Saint-Germain uh Paris Saint-Germain who were in action uh, away to Metz, Armel Tangi commentated this game for us
0: early ball forward from Herrera Mbappe goal side already and the shot off the post and in four minutes on the clock exactly and Kylian Mbappe has given Paris Saint-Germain the lead left-footed ball wide for Boulaya that's a good ball infield towards Santos and Metz a level 50 seconds into the second period and that could be a hammer blow for Paris Saint-Germain Oh, Santos has given it away to Mbappe who strikes first time and just like that Paris retake the lead You don't want to wind up, Kylian Mbappe, because he will punish you. And Icardi, as cool as you like. Barely any power on that penalty But Alexandre Okija had committed. And Paris Saint-Germain now two goals clear. And their title charge continues to gain momentum, thanks to Mauro Icardi.
1: Well, Robbie, Paris Saint Germain got the job done. They they went top of the league uh, momentarily. What did you What did you make of the performance? Obviously, Kylian Mbappe playing a a star role again.
3: Yeah, it was a it was a mixed bag. I think a little bit for for Pochettino's side. I think a uh, a little bit understandable perhaps with with all the matches that they're playing and all the matches still to come as well. This one coming just after a a cup semi final uh, victory, albeit a a big five nil win over Angers. Um, and then four days before a Champions League semi-final first leg at the Parc des Princes against Manchester City. So, you know, if, if Paris weren't involved in a title race, you'd say this was one of the ones where they could have taken their eye off the ball perhaps uh, a little bit. They didn't do that. It was a little bit too easy, the first goal after just four minutes, under Herrera with the ball over the top, Killian just leaving Kiki Kouyate in his wake, and, and Mess were playing with four big, strong central defenders and Killian's pace, and not even guile or footballing intelligence. It was just a simple ball over the top, and he just ran into thirty yards of empty space behind the Mess line to open the scoring. Um, Mess did have a couple of chances um, in the first half, as Paris sort of thought they would just control it. I think Fabian Santons uh, scored his first league goal uh, of the season with a with a header two minutes into the second half. And that was probably the wake-up call that Paris needed. And, uh, and then they just, uh, I mean, controlling the match the whole time. Mbappe got them back in front in the 59th minute. And then, again, they would have preferred to have that third goal a little bit easier. But Mauro Icardi, after scoring the winner against Saint-Étienne a week earlier, and then a hat-trick in the, in the cup quarterfinals against Angers, uh, added the third with a very, very cheeky little chipped Panenka-style penalty in the 89th minute and and that was that another match without a win for for mess that's seven games now and probably a little bit undeserved because they are a a side that can can fight can stay organized they've got some quality they're very they're very fast and and powerful in wide positions and and up front um but yeah paris paris too good the extra quality just getting them along the line and for the for another little stat and i hope uh, this one won't be boring either 34 league matches for Paris Saint-Germain this season and for everybody else, it must be said. That's not the uh, impressive stat. The impressive stat is 34 different starting
1: 11s for Paris Saint-Germain. I thought you were going to say Paris Saint-Germain have had to play 34 league games this season. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't 34 it? different
3: starting 11s in league. 1. Never, never the same 11 twice this season make of that what you that, will gentlemen. That, that is, Open, that is interesting. Please discuss. Dave, can
1: I, can I we, we, just a quick one about about Mets. Um, Cuyate, uh the centre back and uh, Pap Matar-Sar Sa is a, an 18-year-old midfielder um, Senegalese looks very, very exciting. I just want to ask you Dave because I've seen both of them linked with Newcastle in the week and actually Frederick Antonetti was saying, uh, the Mets coach was saying he's finding it very difficult to motivate his players because they're in mid-table and everybody's talking about transfers and he's you know he says look nobody's going anywhere unless I say so 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 let's stop talking about it but they do have some good youngsters don't they Dave? Yeah they do and their season has unraveled as as Robbie said
2: because they were up in that race potentially to finish fifth and qualify for Europe and no that's not going to happen now they're way too far back I think mathematically it might even already be impossible for mm-hmm. them but yeah they have got some very very talented players, and we know all about uh Metz's history in terms of being able to scout out these players and uh I'm sure we will see some of them in the Premier League. I have a feeling it's a little bit too soon for those two just yet. I'd like to see them have another year in league first
3: I would just about agree, but i have been impressed by Kiki Kuyate. I think he's he's a he's he's strong he's fast he was caught out in that uh, i was you know, he was caught out by that opening goal by, by Kiki Mbappe. But uh it was uh he's he's been impressive. Papsar, yeah, look, he, he he looks good, but he's very young and I think he needs uh probably a, another season as well. But Mess need a little bit more quality. Farid Boulaya is a is a good player but not not necessarily that next level to to really see you competing for Europe over, over a whole season. If anything, and it's an unlikely source, but I think Thomas Thomas or Delane perhaps is uh, is is a really fine player. Same with Fabian Santons. They have two
1: wide fullbacks, and that's uh, that are that are real quality, real quality. Robbie PSG winning quite consistently at the moment. Obviously, the big game against Man City coming up this week. You work, you know, very closely with the club. Produce the excellent magazine. This is Paris. How annoyed is everybody getting with this with this title race? You know, you can't get your noses in front. How, you know, a, a Lille getting under people's skin. Uh, I think Paris would like to be
3: leading. And I think uh, you would have seen a a, a lot of joy. But No, you wouldn't have seen it because it was, because it, cause it happened after Paris Saint-Germain had already played. But I think secretly Paris Saint-Germain were all supporting Olympic Lyonnais last night. Make no mistake about that. Paris Saint-Germain want to win everything. Paris Saint-Germain want to win all trophies. It doesn't matter if it, if it's Ligue 1, the Coupe de France or the Champions League or the Trophée des Champions. They want it all, so obviously they're not happy, but but they also know that it's up to them to do it. I don't think I don't think you think this is about Lille or this is about Monaco. Paris Saint-Germain have dropped far too many points uh this season, far too many points at home as well. Eight defeats in in Ligue 1. The last time a team won the league with eight defeats was was back in 2001 too. It was Olympic Lyonnais, their first ever league and title. They had eight defeats. The last team to win it with nine was Monaco back in 2000. Um, so, look, they're, they're, if if Paris Saint Germain don't get there, they'll only have themselves to blame. But there's no doubt that they want the title absolutely. And perhaps for years, and this perhaps I'll turn it into another debate just very quickly, Matt, for for you guys. This, we've been talking for years about how Paris Saint-Germain have suffered in the Champions League because the Ligue 1 race has already been over by this stage of the season. Normally by March, it's all done. So so what, uh, how do we see this? Is this a reason why Paris Saint-Germain are into the semifinals of the Champions League and, and into the semifinals of the Coupe de France? Because they're being pushed all the way in Ligue 1? Question mark?
1: I, I think it's good. I think, yeah, I, I think a competitive title race has to be has to be good I, I think it's difficult if you if you know from january you're going to be champions it's difficult to 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 keep to keep that intensity going so i mean the short answer is yeah psg getting really annoyed huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, <laughs> listen, the short listen, Rob, answer is Rob, yes psg want to win the title psg want to win the title let's get our listeners involved a little bit it, it's time for our deja vu section uh last week we had this clue I was born in Paris. By the way, you have to try and guess who I'm talking about. I was born in Paris, but started my career at the same club as Vieira and Zidane. I made my top flight debut against Ronaldo, Djokovic and Baggio. I won a major league title in a capital city and was coached by Deschamps, Ranieri and Capello, but incredibly got just one cap for France. Plenty, well, not that many, but a few correct answers. Jonathan Zebina was the uh was the one that guy uh, remember Jonathan Zebina good defender played uh, played a lot for Juventus didn't he uh, Thomas De Roy Habib Bar uh, Paul Thomas Clay a Norwegian league on commentator thanks for for joining us Paul Thomas uh, Patrick Herbst uh, James Cathy Romold Frenchy Lorca Kev Sherwood and Frenchy from Detroit so we've now got two listeners called Frenchy that's uh, that's good to know well done guys um you all got that right ian holyman our tricky um producer has 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 come up with another um deja vu, another difficult one for you so if you think you know the answer to this clue do write in to us league one podcast at gmail.com here we go it's time for deja vu. i followed in the footsteps of didier deschamps we share the same first club in france But I was seen by some, and by one knight in particular, as a potential new Roy Keane. My career didn't quite work out like that, spending a four-year spell in North West and then Central England. That was all but ended when I criticised my then-manager to one of the members of the Le Bourgeois team. I followed that up with spells in Qatar, Denmark, Israel, Serbia, Scotland and finally India. Well. Ian Holyman, you have outdone yourself there. That is uh, a very, very good deja vu. This is a double deja
3: vu because who's the player and who's the member of Le Beaujeu team that that played a role
1: in in ending his career in England? In central England? I I don't know. I don't know. I know I'm getting some accusing glances here. I don't know because I couldn't even tell
3: you what is central
1: England. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Robbie... um, It's too small to have a centre, isn't it? quite a few clubs i mean you've got yeah midlands east midlands um anyway by the way i haven't mentioned this 38 goals in uh, in league in uh, round 34 that's the the highest number we've had in Ligue 1 since 2008 uh, apparently um but just before we move on to to
3: bordeaux and uh, and I know this is the league official league um podcast Le Bourgeois, but can we not? Uh, well, I'd like your guys' opinions on what's going to happen on Wednesday night in the Champions yeah, League. Firstly, yeah, I'd, I'd like and a Perisic and Jermaine. I have seen enough take of...
2: Manchester City apart.
3: Ah, that's what I want to hear. Okay, yeah. Dave, you first. Sorry, Matt, I'll let no. you uh, introduce
2: Dave. <laughs> the former Lorient midfielder Ryan Mason. Didn't manage to outwit Pep Guardiola on Sunday because Manchester City won the League Cup yet again. That's uh, almost by the by I and mean, who's interested. But uh, against Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday, we know that Manchester City play exactly the sort of way that Paris Saint-Germain like teams to play. They want the ball, they're going to leave space and Mbappe will have every chance of being able to do to them what he did to Barcelona. We saw it when Leon played Manchester City last summer. That uh, Toku took them apart, and I, I really fancy Paris Saint-Germain to get
1: a, a big win on Wednesday. Wow, Dave, is uh, Ryan Mason the first former Lorient player to manage in the Premier League? As you uh, as you mull that one over, um, I'll give my thoughts. Look, Man City, Man City are brilliant. Um, Man City are capable of causing PSG's defense problems. Um, PSG are are very good, (laughs) can be brilliant as well. I think PSG probably have the two best players, particularly if Kevin De Bruyne isn't going to be 100% fit. Um, But, you know, Neymar and Mbappe, I've I've seen them looking so determined in, in the recent Champions League games. And I do feel that PSG have sort of turned a corner in terms of their Champions League history with that sort of late, late, equaliser and winner against atalanta um that sort of seems to have just unleashed um this this pressure that that had been building up so you know even if psg go out to man city it wouldn't be seen as a, as a big failure it'd be a big disappointment so look i yeah I, I i it's really hard to call isn't it it's really hard to call um marquinho's still out robbie that's the uh
3: okay well yeah so well, I think I thought that's the paper was saying
2: he was going to play, isn't he? Is that the Yeah, I think like
3: Marquinhos has trained at the end of last week. He could have probably, at a push, played uh, against Mess, but but obviously you don't take any risk in in this situation. But I think this is the first time, uh, certainly that I can remember in the last decade, being at this stage of the Champions League with everyone available, apart from Juan Bernat, who would probably have been a first choice left back. Uh, This season, if he hadn't done his knee in the third game against Mess, incidentally, um, they have him out. But otherwise, with Marquinhos, who probably won't be 100% fit, but Marquinhos is such a quality player. If he returns at the back with Kimpembe, you'll have Florenzi on the right. You've got probably, I think, a little hint against Mess, which was Marco Verratti returning and playing in the number 10 role. With Neymar on the left and Mbappe up front, probably Di Maria on the right. But Paris have Draxler, Sarabia, Rafinha, uh, Icardi, Ankeen. Everyone is fit. They have options in attack that are are frightening for an opposition. In midfield, you have everyone available as well. You'd think it will be Paredes and Idrissa gay. Uh, which has been the case, uh, the first choice in the Champions League so far. So look, in, in that respect, everyone available is something very unusual for Paris Saint-Germain at this stage of the competition. Last year, they went to the final without a full-strength squad. They have that, so so surely that's a bonus as well. And I think we could see Verratti playing in that number 10 role at uh, in the semi-final and not playing a, a deeper role in midfield, which would be interesting to see it because that was the first time he and Neymar were available under uh
1: Mauricio Pochettino and they both played I think as well Robbie Pochettino could be um a real plus for for PSG with his experience of playing you know he'll know Manchester City very very well mm-hmm. um of course every you know every manager watches Man City but I think it's different when you when you've come up against them and you know what the the major threats are, are going to be and I remember last time was it the last time PSG played City when mm. when Laurent Blanc went for a a horror yes. of, a, yeah. of a of a tactical formation, and it and it just went really badly wrong for them. I, I don't think Pochettino will will make that kind of tactical mistake.
3: One one player just quickly that I didn't mention in all of that going through what what I would have thought could be a, a starting eleven is Kalor Navas, and he has been absolutely exceptional this season. I think he's in the best form of his career on the pitch, and also having a role off the pitch where he is. Just so crucially important. And he's back as well. He uh, is back from a shoulder injury. And, uh, and Kaylor Navas, I think, uh, is crucially important to Paris Saint-Germain's chances.
1: Dave, former Lorient players with Premier League managerial <laughs> experience. I've, I've got no one Go else. for it.
2: I, I, I'm, I think the list starts and ends with uh, Ryan Mason, who's only 29. It's got to be a trick
3: question from Maddie. He's got to have someone else no. <laughs> up his sleeve. <laughs> Sabri no. Lamouchi, never, never, never played for Lorient? They've so. managed in the Premier
1: League. Oh, no, okay. he hasn't managed in the yeah. Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Santini, Alan Pereira. No, these. No, I, I don't think so. Ray um, Wilkins didn't have a run at Lorient. Was there not another Englishman <laughs> that that kicked around at Lorient back in the day? There might. There might well have been, um, but I don't know him at the moment. But I'm sure our listeners will be emailing in if we've missed somebody. Um, <laughs> Thirty-eight goals. As I was saying, it was a fantastic weekend. Um, some of the highlights: uh, are Dimitri and Pyatt, Dimitri Payet-inspired Marseille won 3-1 at rounds. Fascinating battle, by the way, for the fifth position. Uh, Lens reclaimed fifth spot after their 2-1 win against Nîmes. That was particularly impressive because they were down to 10 men um, from 24 minutes and uh, managed to to go on to win that game. Um, And Rennes, we need to mention Rennes, 5-1 victors over Dijon. They are really going great guns under Bruno Genesio. Two more goals for Martin Terrier who's doing very well. That result means that Dijon are now officially relegated. Uh, looking at the bottom three, a massive victory for Nantes, who were 19th. They won 2-1 away to Strasbourg. Ludovic Blas with the uh, with the winner there, and that's taken them above Nîmes. So Nîmes are now 19th, Nantes 18th. They're in the uh, relegation playoff position. Um, and above them, four points above Nantes, we've got Lorient, who won 4-1 against Bordeaux. Terra Moffi with a, a superb hat-trick. Lorient were 3-0 up at half-time. And, uh, guys, it has been a horror week for Bordeaux. And um, before we talk about what's going on behind the scenes, you know, on the pitch they were abysmal, beaten 4-1. Um, I, think I think they've I think they lost 11 out of 12 or something now. Uh, they've got 36 points, so they're five points above Nantes, who were in that relegation playoff berth um the big news king street the uh, american investors decided to pull out of the club i think the the news was announced on thursday or friday um and that is pretty scary given the uh the current climate economically given the um continuing uncertainty about the the next television deal which hasn't yet been uh, um decided uh, dave six times champions of france bordeaux you know we've all had we all have great memories of great bordeaux teams um it's it's pretty sad to see them in this state it really is and they're in a relegation battle now and when you listen to
2: jean-louis Gasset, he knows that they're in a relegation battle that's what happens when you've lost five in a row and then things are going that badly behind the scenes they've got a, a five point cushion over nîmes who a 19th but you could see Bordeaux not picking up another point this season, and that's got to give great hope to Nîmes and to Nantes. Uh, I think Lorient are going to find a way to safety now, particularly with Moffy scoring the goals. But it, it's so sad to, to see what has happened to Bordeaux. I think it, the decline really started when Laurent Blanc left, and even though they've had the odd good season since, they haven't produced consistently. Uh, I don't think their new stadium has helped them either. Uh, the Stade Chabon-Delmas had so much soul. And when you go to the Atlantique, you really feel nothing, even when the fans are in there. It's so far out of town. It's a huge, long tram ride. It's it's modern. It's soulless. Um, and on the field, they've been abysmal of late. Uh, the, the, the whole American takeover has just proved disastrous that King Street didn't want to run the club, that they were brought in to have the, the majority share uh, by GACP. Uh, then GACP left, King Street brought them, bought them out, they were probably hoping to make a, a quicker sale than they've been able to do, uh, and now, I mean, where do Bordeaux go from here? There's, they are an institution, they are they are a massive club in France, and there has to be a way of saving Bordeaux and restoring them to their former glories, but I, the way things are going just based on their on-pitch performances, they could find themselves in Ligue 2 next season.
1: Yeah, Robbie. Two two very wealthy local businessmen are being linked with uh, with a bid to uh, to take over the club. Y- you know, you've you've got to hope that um, that there is a savior there, because otherwise they'll be they'll be relegated to. I mean, I've been hearing National 3, which what was mm-hmm. that, the sixth or seventh tier? And you know, we, they might be having to start over again, which is unthinkable for a club like like les Girondins de Bordeaux.
3: Absolutely. It's uh, but we, we have seen it in the past. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean Strasbourg went went all the way down, didn't they? And they were they were former champions, albeit not the same not the same calibre as as Bordeaux. Um look, it's 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 mind boggling. I don't think it's only as as Dave said, the decline has started for for many years, even under M six, the former owners. Um you never really got the feeling that there was a plan in place to take Bordeaux. To, to consistently have them playing European football is something a a lack of ambition a lack of the the supporters have been ringing the alarm bells for the last three seasons saying this is this is not the right direction we need to be going in um I I've heard now that if if they do find a buyer and the the sums being bandied about are like eighty million but that would only pay off debts and 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 loans and and wouldn't even invest anything new in the club so if you're going to have to fork out a lot of money just to get uh to a a point where you are at zero and then you have to try and build something so i mean it's it's a, a very complicated situation could they be stripped of their professional status we know that france don't the french league and the and the the french federation don't muck around on this level it's not uh like other leagues where you can where you can run up huge debts it's very closely monitored here um there there is a strong social conscience to uh, around around football clubs as being part of a society and not getting special treatment um so look there is there is a real real threat obviously the tv money didn't help obviously covid didn't help but uh look this is It looks like mismanagement. That's what the the football fans down in Bordeaux would tell you. And it's uh, it's a very, very serious position because they've pulled the plug. They're pulling out. They've said there is no more money as of now. So who's paying? Who's paying not the players, but who's paying all the staff that work there and all the people that work in the offices and all the people who run in the academies that run Bordeaux? Bordeaux are are a big club and they have
1: a, a, a role to play in the society as well and and this but is how are they serious. allowed to how how are they allowed to just say um we're not paying anymore and you know i've seen reports that they're that they're looking to invest in inter milan i mean you know i, I you know, i'm not a legal expert by any means be careful then. you just but you just <laughs> yeah but you just wonder if i don't know uh, if if we need some sort of regulation uh, or better regulation than we have i, I, I don't i, know, I agree Greg.
3: entirely but it's interesting that the 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 People that used to own Nice as well, that that put Nice in a very difficult position. Um, mind you, Nice did come out of it with a, a new training ground, which is a, a something of great quality for them. But they're they're now looking at have uh, been linked with Inter Milan as well, and other clubs uh, around the world. So, look, what what I'm curious is why do people think you can invest in football to make money? I mean, football has never been a surefire way to make money, and as as we've just seen with all this Super League thing it's more it's just a giant black hole and everyone needs to pull their head in why would you invest in a in a big football club trying to to make money much better bring me back someone like Gervais Martel who loves who's passionate about a football club even even i mean Saint-Etienne fans wouldn't agree but the your your co-presidents at Saint-Etienne love that football club even if uh it sometimes it can can cloud your your vision and vision for the future at least you 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 love the football club and you're someone from the community and you know what it means to the people of the
1: community. Dave, uh, Mike Ashley uh, likes a glass of Bordeaux, allegedly. Uh, maybe, what do you
2: think? Maybe in a, an overly sized glass, yeah, uh, <laughs> Sam Allardyce style. Uh, what, what do I think? It's I, I, I'm just sad for the the Bordeaux fans that it's turned out like this because they they don't deserve it. They deserve to be able to watch a team that they can be proud of and. Whenever a new owner comes in, I think all fans are optimistic. You, you think, oh, we're going to get the signings. But then you saw when GACP came in, the sort of signings they were making, they were, they were small-time signings. And Bordeaux ahead of this season, bringing in Koscielny and Ben Arthur, right, they've been fine players, but they're past their best. And yeah, there, there was a lack of coherence to what was going on. Let's just hope the club can be saved.
1: Yeah, and I, someone like Chouamaini, we heard from him in the podcast, you know, Bordeaux have had a wonderful academy in the past. Why on earth are they producing a player of his calibre and selling him at the age of... Oh, well, we know why, because they got 18 million euros for him, but, mm. you know, he's worth much more than that. Um, but they have good we're gonna players. To,
3: Toma Basic, Yassin Adli,
1: Rijo, yeah, yeah. I mean, they Remy They have to have players to get some points. Yeah, for Youssef sure. Sabli, for sure. I mean, yeah. Guys, we're going on a little bit too much, and we're getting to the point where you know our listeners are desperate to know who's won the Andy Delorsha. So this is the moment I've been dreading, the moment I'm gonna have to read out some of these entries. Um we've had an awful lot, we've had some great ones. We wanted you to um to send in some good song titles uh that sound very much like Lee Gun players. I mentioned last week James Cathy's entry, uh Love Don't Cozer or thing, Love Don't a Thing by Jennifer Lopez um Montpellier defender Nicola Cosa life in the fast lane from the Eagles life in the faster lane the um yeah the Mets defender so we, we've had some really you know incredible ones we've been side splitting no maybe not side splitting but some pretty funny <laughs> ones Patrick Herbst La Bamba from Los Cobos um Jonathan and Cadabamba that's a, it's, it's it's a good try Davo Tokovic sorry Tokakovic sorry Davo, um, from Sydney, Australia. He's an OM fan. Uh, he's not going to win one because he says he loves Robbie um, you know, and yeah. also loves good Andy Delort. And two because <laughs> his entry, "Diamonds Are Forever," by Shirley Bassey, but Evera no longer a league Unplayer. So sorry, Davo, but it is being ruled out. Yeah, no, no, very good, very good, and thanks for <laughs> thanks for writing in. Reese Akin, he really wants the shirt and he's gone big. He's gone for Kama 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 Vinger Chameleon by Culture Club Car- no oh, like sorry Karma Chameleon Matt.
3: no sing it again you remember this song this is Karma
1: Kama Kama Chameleon there you no, go um, yeah okay yeah Kamavinga <laughs> so he's also gone with Mbappe to the tune of Mbap by Hansen you could have mentioned that Petter Hansen is a former League 1 player as well so that that's that's a good try well done Reese Aitken Kev Sherwood also went for Mbap by uh, by Hansen good effort um, bye Bye Mr. Memphis The Pie That's Reese Aitken, that's his American Pie By Don McLean Don McLean mm-hmm. um, I know I'm going to make mistakes on pronunciations here um, <laughs> Kev Sherwood Some some cracking guesses as well as Mbapp, Kev went for uh, Rock the Casbah Rock the Casribah by The Clash Wabby Um Everybody Backer Streets Back by the Backstreet Boys Mitchell Backer Perhaps Kev Sherwood's best entry, Sarabian Knights, Will Smith from Aladdin, Pablo Sarabia, Sarabian Knights. Um, but listen, Adam Sironik. He's been getting Deja Who's right for for about two seasons now. Um, Adam has gone for some very, very sexy song titles. Let's talk about Sesk by Sultan Pepper, Ses Fabregas. You're Buffal. you're beautiful, James Blunt, not bad. This was very good. This very nearly won it, Adam. Uh, sympathy for Depreville. Sympathy for the devil. Simply, Sympathy for Depreville. Oh, it's, 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 it's been a long weekend, guys. You're doing <laughs> By well, By the Rolling Matt. Stones. Okay, but the winner, drum roll, the winner of the Andy Delors shirt, Adam Sironik. Adam, we are giving it to you for this entry, De Pie of the Tiger. Dun, Eye of the tiger dun, survivor. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Robbie. The <laughs> pie of the tiger. Very, very good. Well, we had some uh, terrific entries. Everybody deserves a prize, but unfortunately, we've only got one to give out. So, Adam, do send us your uh, your address, and we will get that Andy Delort shirt sent out to you. Um, that almost concludes what's been an action-packed um, podcast. A quick look ahead. To, uh, to next weekend some massive games it's time to go on a, a bon voyage <music> plenty of big matches Paris Saint-Germain Lens on Saturday that's at 5pm uh, in France watch it on BT Sport in the UK 4pm in the UK Lille versus Nice uh, that's also Saturday Saturday night the late game 9 o'clock in France 8 o'clock in the UK and then on Sunday, Lyon's last chance, I would say, to um, hold on to their Champions League hopes they travel to Monaco. Monaco versus Lyon, 9pm in France, 8pm in the UK, live on BT Sports. David Cross, and where do you fancy going next weekend? I fancy a short trip. Um, Saturday, May the 1st, is a, a bank holiday
2: in France anyway, so the, the transport offer is not so good. So I'm just going to go to the Parc de Princes, cycle over. Paris Saint-Germain against Lens. Can Lens catch PSG cold after the Manchester City game? Um Lille-Leon Monaco will certainly hope so.
1: Yeah, I reckon Lens could be the the toughest game. I think PSG have got Rennes as well, but I, I just think Lens this season are a really hard side to beat, particularly coming on the back of PSG's game against Man City. Could be interesting. Robbie, what do you fancy?
3: Yeah, huge game, that one. Um, Lens also beat Paris Saint-Germain, let's not forget, uh, in the in the first game of the season for for, for PSG. Oh, look, there's so many huge matches. I mean, every match is huge. Now, I'm going to go Monaco-Leon then, if Dave's covering PSG for Le Bourgeois. Um Monaco-Leon, look, last chance for Leon, but, um, you know, if Monaco slip up, it could be their chance gone as well. They're, what, they're four points behind, uh, no, two points. How many points behind Lille are they at two. the moment? Two. Two points. Okay. Well, you wouldn't want to slip up because it it could become 5 very quickly with just 3 games left to play. It's it's just huge. Every match is huge. No one can afford to slip up. So that's going to be a very very tense encounter and it will be the side that that deals with the stress in that one at the Stade Louis do the best that will will come out with the points.
1: I'm going to go to the Stade Pierre Mauroy to see uh to see the king in action. I'm not talking about William Saliba. He's only the prince. The king is Burak Yilmaz. And I'm going to see if he can uh, fire Lille a step closer to uh, to the title. I want to see if Christophe Galtier can do any more gymnastics because that roly-poly sort of head push was was quite incredible, I think, for a, for a, a man a, a of his age. And uh, if Arsenal and Tottenham aren't trying very hard to get Christophe Galtier across the channel, then uh, there's something very wrong, I think. Great manager. And uh, what an achievement it would be if he could get Lille over the line. That's... Uh, that is it. Of course, um, we're all completely objective, and I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy for PSG to win the title or, or anybody else. But Lille, Lille, obviously a great story. Um, okay, Rob. So don't accuse me of any bias.
3: No, absolutely not.
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect. Well, I know we're all very. We can
3: we can rib and each other and and chambre as the the French would say. There's a little uh, yeah. French word for the week. It's sort of like a teasing or a little bit of yeah, a little bit of what sporting. Sporting rivalry,
1: fun, poking a bit of fun. I mean, I did, I did do uh, like a, a, a backflip in the uh, in the, the newsroom last night when uh, when Burak scores. But there's not a lot of space know. in there. So. <laughs> but. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's just uh, let's just see what happens, shall we? Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us uh, on Le Bourgeois, the official League Uber Eats podcast. We'll be back with another edition next week from Robbie, Dave, and me, Matt Spiro. It's goodbye. We'll see you again soon. Ciao ciao, bye, bye everyone. Bye bye.
0: Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto and no, fantastic, outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again, Goldberg. Oh, Beneta. Beautifully done!